Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome to our study in the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading uh, this time in verse 13. And um, we'll see what the Lord has in store for us from this uh, this book. I hope so far it's been a blessing to you. And I promise you that this is just something of an introduction and that you should spend the rest of your days. If you're a young person right now, 12, 13 years old, I hope that when you're in your 90s, you're still studying the book of Proverbs because there's a great deal of wisdom to be gleaned. So let's read in verse 13, chapter 3. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to teach from this book. Thank you for your great wisdom that exceeds all the wise men of the earth, Lord, infinitely. Lord, I pray for the young people who are listening, and I pray, Lord, that they, that if they don't know your son, at this moment, that they would come to trust in him soon, Lord. That they would not neglect so great a salvation, but that they would give their lives to Christ. And Father, in giving their lives to Christ, I pray that they would uh, be wise in your word, in the full counsel of your word, not just the book of Proverbs, and that they would be conformed to the image of Christ, and that they would be used of you, Lord, in this world that has grown so dark that they would shine as lights, lights of virtue, lights of wisdom, but most importantly, Lord, lights of the gospel. Now, Lord, help us in this time to do what cannot be done by men. Lord, bless your people. Teach them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, again, we've got a passage here in the book of Proverbs in which I need to give some background. When the book of Proverbs talks about, you know, if you follow wisdom, you'll have a long life. It doesn't necessarily mean that each individual who follows wisdom is going to live a long time. Again, what we have is this. Imagine a wise man sitting on a bench and for hundreds of years just watching people live their lives. And he begins to see something of a trend. He begins to see those that order their steps with true piety according to the word of God, that, that their lives are full, their lives are in a sense far more prosperous than the wicked, and that many of the troubles that ail the wicked, that, that hound and haunt the wicked, well, they're not in the lives of the righteous. So in a, in a general 
state of things. When you look at the wicked, you see certain characteristics. When you look at the righteous, you see certain characteristics and consequences. And that's what he's pointing out here. If someone follows the book of of Proverbs and lives with wisdom with regard to finances, in general, that person is going to financially prosper far more than a fool with his finances. But that doesn't mean that if someone is wealthy, they're very godly. And it doesn't mean that, that if someone is godly, they're always going to be a millionaire. These are general rules of observation that are written down in this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But, but know this. Also, when the book of Proverbs talks about prosperity that seems to be to, to have to do with finances and with money and with uh, full barns and long lives and things like that. We need to maintain a balance. First of all, we don't need to discount the fact that God does prosper his people. He does give us life. He does uh, and can prosper us economically. We, we need to realize that a righteous life is a full and blessed life. Yet at the same time, the righteous aren't always um, millionaires. They're not always free from suffering. As a matter of fact, many of the most righteous people who have ever walked on this planet have suffered great trials, sufferings, poverties, even martyrdom. So again, keep this all in a balance. Don't be like those who say, oh, the book of Proverbs is telling us that if we believe God and obey him, we will be healthy, wealthy and wise and never have a problem. At the same time, don't be overreactionary and say all this is just spiritual and it has nothing to do with with health or or peace or financial prosperity. No, just maintain a balance. I think that the key here is you can study the book of Proverbs correctly if you have the same overarching goal of God as God in your life. And that is, the goal is not your best life now. The goal is conformity to Jesus Christ. The goal is usefulness to the kingdom. The goal is maintaining our fidelity, our faithfulness in the midst of a fallen and sometimes very dark and crooked world. Now, having said that, let's look at our, our passage. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Now, the word blessed in this particular case, I've written something down here. It denotes happiness. Okay. Now, before anyone complains, it means more than that. Yes, it does mean more than that, but it does mean that. And um, I think sometimes that, um, that we forget um, what the old preachers used to talk about, and that is happiness in the Lord. Um, a, a real joy. Um, sometimes even a, a, a quicker step or a kick in your step. Knowing that you are a child of God and that, that he's ordering your ways and that he's, everything that happens in your life is under his sovereign control and that he loves you and has a, has a great plan for your life. And that should make something of happiness in us. Now, it denotes happiness, but it goes beyond happiness. It, it denotes, um, I've written down here, it denotes a happiness that results, results from reaping the fruit of wisdom. Now, what do I mean? 
what it seems to me in this text that we're seeing is that a man begins his journey into wisdom. And he says, okay, I've seen the word of God. And I've seen these things that are contrary to my culture and sometimes contrary to my flesh. But they are called the wisdom of God. And I am going to begin to follow these principles of righteousness. And the happiness comes not just from a clean conscience, which is a very important thing, not just from knowing that you're seeking God and trying to be in the will of God, but also as the man goes along, he begins to see there is great benefit to wisdom, that his home is more ordered because of the wisdom of God, that his finances are more ordered, that his relationships are more ordered. He begins to see, and this is why I want you not to over-spiritualize this. A wise man is happy because he begins to see that if he uses God's wisdom in his personal relationships, in his family, in the church, in business, in, in all these different things, that it actually does reap a benefit. Where on the other hand, if you turn away from God's wisdom and you live as a fool, it is also going to reap consequences, but they're not they're not benefits. So I want to tell you something, young person. Um, let me say it this way. I have never regretted following God's wisdom. I have regretted and seen um, dire benefits when I haven't followed God's wisdom. But in following God's wisdom, um, I have seen great benefit. And those great benefits, they do make me happy. They do bring me joy. Now, it is more than that, but it's not less than that. Okay. Now, he says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. So we have here, again, a combination of wisdom and understanding. There's something like synonyms, but each term kind of adds to the other to get a full, a, a, a fuller understanding. Now, what is this wisdom and understanding? What is a wise man or an understanding man? And, and I want to say it this way from, from just studying through the book of Proverbs for years. I want to say it this way. It's a person, the wise person. I want to include the girls here. A wise man, a wise woman is the one who comprehends things as God comprehends them. Sees things as God sees them and is able to discern things the way God teaches us to discern things in the world. Basically, it's a person who sees the world as God sees it, sees sin in the way that God sees it, sees righteousness in the way that God sees it. You see, that's wisdom, that's understanding. But it is a person who comprehends things as God comprehends them. He, he sees reality. He sees things the way they really are. But then he applies this knowledge in righteousness or righteously as God would. Now, let, let me read a few things for you that I wrote down here. Let's say we have a what we would call a righteous person or a, a good person, a well-meaning person. A righteous person, but does not have a correct understanding okay, of things. This righteous person may be very well-meaning, but because they don't have a correct understanding 
um, maybe they have a very immature understanding of things, they will do the wrong thing. And they will teach the wrong thing. Okay? Then there's the unrighteous person who to some degree may have a right knowledge of what's going on, but in their unrighteousness, they use that right understanding, a correct comprehension, to do unrighteous things and for unrighteous purposes. Do you see? But with God, with his wisdom, he has a perfect understanding of reality as it is. And not just reality like, like science and history and all these other, but the way things work. He has a perfect understanding of that. And because he's righteous, because he's holy, because he's, he's love, because he loves his people, he, he teaches us, us he, he, he teaches us the truth with a righteous purpose. And so we can trust him. We can trust his word. That is wisdom. To see things like God sees them and then to live righteously based on that knowledge. That's what a wise person does. And that's what we want you to be. Now, let's go on. He says, blessed, how blessed is the man or woman who finds wisdom and the man or woman who gains understanding. So we have the word find and the word gain here. And it's very, very important. Why? It means to obtain and it denotes action, searching, work, labor, travail. You see, what I'm trying to get across to you is, is if you really want God's wisdom, it's just not going to seep into your head through your pillow at night. This is something you have to strive for. You have to give your life for. I want you to look for a moment at Proverbs chapter 2. Let's just go back. Proverbs 2. We already studied this, but look at verse 2. He tells his, his son, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Go like this. Lean forward. Lean forward. You know, when you're sitting there and you're not merely paying attention, you're just kind of sitting back like this and it really doesn't matter. But you hear something that all of a sudden is interesting to you. And what do you do? You lean forward. You want to hear what? No, no. What did he say? Now, if you want wisdom, this is what you must do. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. And then look at this. For if you cry for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, God, you, you recognize God, I need your wisdom. And God, your wisdom brings blessedness. It brings happiness. I need this. I want this. I want to be a servant. I want to be a wise servant. I cannot do it doing what is right according to my own eyes. I need your wisdom. So you lean forward. You press into the word of God to, in order to discover wisdom. But you also cry out to God. Oh, God, give me this. Lord, there are, there are countless things I could ask of you, but this is the one thing I ask of you. Give me wisdom that I might serve your son. I always think that wisdom is the second greatest thing you can ask for. The first greatest thing you can ask for is give me a heart that is utterly and completely devoted to the one who died for me on Calvary. And given me that heart, then give me a mind, give me wisdom that I might use that devotion in a way that would honor him.
Now, verse 4, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. Young person, we have talked about this many times, but let me say it again. If I told you there was a thousand pounds of gold buried somewhere in your backyard, it would look like a mole the size of Godzilla got in your backyard, wouldn't it? You would grab a shovel and you would dig that entire backyard up, even if it took you 10 years. Even if you wore out a hundred shovels, you would do it. How much more should you go after? Should you seek for wisdom? The knowledge of God in the scriptures. Now, so we look the the blessing of wisdom. What it's the blessing? It leads to a happiness, a joy that even the world can't take away. It allows you to walk in such a way that as you keep applying wisdom more and more, you're going to see the benefits of it and you're going to reap the harvest from it. That's the blessing of wisdom. Now, the profit of wisdom, look in verses 14 and 15. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. It just keeps going. Um, it's like. There's there's no way that you can exaggerate, exaggerate how profitable wisdom is. You can't exaggerate the worth of it. Look what he says. He goes, her profit is better than the profit of silver. Yes, silver. And everyone's listening. Wow, silver. And then he goes, no, no, no. Gold. No, no, no. Fine gold. And then, no, no. Silver and gold, that's not enough. That's not a high enough standard. Um, jewels, add to it jewels. No, not just jewels, precious jewels, the most precious jewels. Get the finest, most refined silver. Get the purest gold. Get a heap of the most precious jewels that have ever been found on this planet. And then what does he say? But of all this, none of it compares to wisdom. None of it compares to wisdom, to God's wisdom. Now, I want to look at that last phrase uh, for just a second. It says, and nothing you desire compares with her. Literally, all your desires cannot compare with her. And I've written here, add together all your desires, all of them. Add them all up. The things you most desire Bring them all together, put them in the same basket, add them up. And they cannot even begin to compare with wisdom. Now, um, what if I said I was going to give you a golden egg? Would you say, yes, I want a golden egg? Or I gave you, I said, I'll give you the chicken that produces golden eggs. Which one would you take? You, well, if you were wise, you'd say, I'll take the chicken. Why? Because I get more than one gold egg. Well, what if I told you, you know, that um, could give you wealth. But if you're a fool, you'll lose the wealth. What if I told you um, I'll give you health. But if you're a fool, you can lose your health. So many people have lost their health doing foolish things, drunkenness, uh, smoking, other things like that, not taking care of their body. Do you see? 
So I could give you almost everything that the world could, could offer you. Let's say I could give it to you, but if you don't have wisdom, none of it matters. But if you have wisdom, then wisdom's going to touch every one of these areas in your life. Do you see that? And that's why you take all these other things and add them up and, and they can all be lost if you're a fool. But you take wisdom. You search for her. You obtain wisdom. Then in every area of your life, spiritual, family, relationships, finances, health, you can use wisdom in all those areas in order to better those areas. Do you see? But if you're a fool, you can lose it all. And there's, there's the story, of course, um, and we'll talk about it in a minute, about Nabal, no? um, who was the first husband of Abigail, who was a very wealthy man, but he was a fool. And because of being a fool, he not only lost his wealth, he lost his life. Okay, now, let's look at verses 16 through 18. It says, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all those who hold her fast. Now, here in this text, in verse 16, we see life, okay? Then we see also riches and honor. And then we see the idea of a pleasant way and a path of peace. And then it goes on again to a tree of life. Let's look at some of these things that it's saying. First of all, it says, long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Long life is in her right hand. Okay, so that would be, it's my right hand. And what's in her left hand? Riches and honor. Now, if you've studied the Bible, what do you know about the right hand? The right hand is the place of prominence and the place of favor, isn't it? For it says, you know, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the place of prominence. Well, I think the scripture is telling us something here, that life, true spiritual life, true abundant life, true eternal life, that's what's seated in the seat of prominence and not riches and honor. Now, I don't want to say anything against riches and honor. The Bible um, speaks highly of riches and honor. But the point is, riches and honor, in this life at least, are not the prominent thing and should not be the prominent thing in the heart of the Christian. What should be the prominent thing? Life. Life. Life with God. Life with our, our wife, our husband. Life with our children. Life with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Life, communion, fellowship, restored relationships. You see? Far more than all the riches and honor of this life. Now, notice that he says, long life is in her right hand. And then in verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her 
and happy are those who hold her fast. Tree of life. Now in the Hebrew, it's the very same phrase as what is used over in Genesis 2.9 where it talks about the tree of life. And I think what, what's going on here is the writer of Proverbs is wanting to really emphasize the, the, the quality um, and the quantity of life that comes out of wisdom. To gain wisdom in some sense is like to restore um, Eden. To, 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 have, to have wisdom is to have the very kind of life that could have been given through the tree of life. Listen, I don't care how, how rich you are. You're going to grow old. I don't care how famous you are. Fame is going to go away. There are so many things that the world thinks is important. Even men who chase large ministry, in the end, it turns out to be hollow. Do you know what really matters? Life. Living. And living in relationship with God. And living in relationship with others. That's what matters. And that's why wisdom is so important because you can only have that kind of relationship with God and that kind of relationship with other people through the proper understanding and use of wisdom. Now, it also uses the idea, you know, not just tree of life, but a tree. That wisdom is like a tree. Now, what is it talking about? Well, I think that the idea of a tree communicates strength. It's not this frail wisdom that comes and goes or moves about just maybe like a leaf on a twig. But it's strong like a tree and its roots go down into the ground and it provides foundation and stability for us. I'm reminded of Psalms 1-3. Just, just turn there for a moment to Psalms chapter 1 and let's look at one of the most important passages in the Old Testament that the wise man Wisdom is not only like a tree giving life, but the wise man who takes wisdom for himself, he becomes like a tree, firmly becomes like the wisdom that he's obtained. He becomes like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. In all you're getting, in all you're obtaining, you need to get wisdom. Because wisdom leads to life. And life is what it's all about. Eternal life. To know God, to know His Son. Eternal life. To conquer death. Abundant life. More than just existing, but actually living. Where does it come from? Wisdom. Wisdom. Now, it says here, she is in verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Happy are all those who hold her fast. Now, young person, you listen to me. Um, let, let me give you an example. Let's say that I got a lot, of, lot to do this month, okay? Let's say it's the first day of the month and I have got a full schedule the whole month. And so I go, you know, I really don't have time to eat this month. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the first day of the month and I'm going to eat for 24 hours. I'm going to eat without stopping. 
so that uh, I don't have to eat the rest of the month. Well, what's going to happen? Tell me. Well, I'm probably going to get sick. But I'm also going to wake up the next day and I'm still going gonna, gonna to be hungry. You see, we are not built to, you know, eat the first month of the year and then eat, not eat the rest of the year. We're not like an anaconda who can eat once every six months. We eat every day and we eat multiple times during the day. We not only eat, we continue eating. We not only drink, we continue drinking. We not only breathe, like take a big breath, but we continue breathing. In the same way with wisdom, look what it says. It says, blessed are those in verse 18 that take hold of her. You grip a hold of her like your life depended upon it. When we used to train horses and I was a little boy and because I was so light, when they would bring in the yearlings to train them, like we trained them like they did in the King Ranch, but that's another story. Um, they put me on there. And uh, my dad would say something like, well, you're pretty good up there. And he didn't. Yeah, terror. I was holding on for dear life. And what you've got to realize is that when it comes to wisdom, your life depends on wisdom. Do you see that? Your life. So you take hold of her. Everything you learn in Scripture, don't just go, oh, I learned that. That's great. It's up in my head. That doesn't matter. No, take hold of it. Like your life depended upon it, because it does. But then it says also, happy are those who hold her fast. Don't just hold and let go. These are things that we, we take into our life and we keep them. Because they direct us every day and every moment of every day. Do you see that? So the man is blessed, not not the man who just hears wisdom. The man um, who just you know listens to a sermon goes, okay, that was great, and then goes on, or reads through the book of Proverbs and says, well, I can lecture in Proverbs. It doesn't matter if you can lecture in Proverbs. Do you live Proverbs? So take hold of it, hold it fast, hold it fast. Do you see? I mean, this stuff is real. It really is. And it needs to be a part of your life. It needs to become your life. Now, he says here also that um, in her left hand are riches and honor. Now, in her right hand is what? Life. But we won't, don't want to despise the other truth. That, and, and I want you to know this. I have seen young people you know, maybe get a job delivering newspapers or something when they're, I don't know, 15, get little jobs, and everything they get, um, they don't administrate properly. They just spend. One of the, I was talking uh, uh, years ago to some young girls, and uh, they were, I don't know, 20, marrying age, and uh, they said this to me. Uh, and I, my friend has told me the same thing. He's heard the same thing from from young young ladies. And they said this, oh yes, there's a lot of young men in our church who seem to love Jesus and read their Bibles, but they're little boys. They're not mature. They they get a job and they buy internet games and tennis shoes and they they, they don't think about mature things like marriage, saving money, buying a home. Do you see? 
And so one of the things that, that I don't want to do is I don't want to turn the book of Proverbs into if you do this, God's going to prosper you, or if you do this, you're going to be wealthy. I hate that kind of teaching. It's not the purpose of the scriptures. At the same time, I don't want to deny something that's very, very important. And that is you are to use wisdom also in your finances, in your business dealings, in your work ethic. And if you do, there will be more riches and there will be more of a good reputation associated with your name if you become wise in the scriptures. And I've, I've written here, it can be held as a general rule that the wise man is far more prosperous and honored than the fool. We've seen it. I mean, I, I think someone told me that there's a television program or something or, I don't know, Internet channel or whatever these things are, cable, that that is just a, a show about um, people who've won the lottery and then lost it all doing stupid things. So a person wins $100 million and in the end doesn't have anything. Why? Because they're a fool. Because they have no wisdom. So it's just... It can be held as a general rule that a wise man is far more prosperous and honored than a fool. So is there prosperity and wisdom? Yes, all things considered. Is there a sense of gaining wealth because you use wisdom? Yes, all things considered in its proper context. There is. And so you need to learn wisdom and you need to apply wisdom, not just to your Bible study time, and not just to your, your behavior with regard to an ethic, but with regard to your work, with regard to your income, with regard to everything in life. Wisdom provides a blessing. Now, in the end, it talks about, um, let's see here. Oh, in verse 16, long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor, all her, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. That wisdom leads to a sense of happiness and a sense of satisfaction. It does. There is a deep satisfaction in following the will of God for the glory of God. And for the benefit of God's people, there is a real sense of being able to lay your head on a pillow at night and go to bed because you are a man or a woman who has sought the will of God. Sought to understand it, sought the power to carry it out and actually have lived according to it. And also says it is a way of peace. Um. Again, I want to. I want you to look at something there. The foundation of all peace is a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Then there is peace on top of peace, as we seek to know God's will. We seek to know God, trust in Him, and obey. The wicked doesn't know a peace like that, but you can. A peace, listen to these words, a peace, a contentment, a satisfaction. Young person, you would be very surprised to realize how many people know nothing about those 
three words. But you can, but only through Jesus Christ. And only through wisdom. Well, God bless you. And we'll see you in the next study where we will take up uh, verse 19. And what verse 19 and on is going to talk about is how wise is God? It's telling us that we need to seek God's wisdom. How wise is he? Well, it was with his wisdom that he created and sustains the world. That's a lot of wisdom. All right. Well, God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.